Today on The Girl Defined Show, we are braving the topic of masturbation and digging in to what the Bible has to say about this hush-hush topic. Before we jump into this critical conversation, I, Bethany, just want to say a few words here. I'm not going to be a part of this longer conversation. It's just going to be you and Kristen really having a heart-to-heart and her sharing very honestly. Um, But I did want to just say that I know talking about these things can feel very overwhelming and it can kind of feel like, okay, what do I do next? How do I actually like either reestablish or just altogether build a relationship with God or maybe just grow in that, grow in my relationship with God because that is the foundation for everything. Our strength comes from the Lord. Our relationship with Him is the necessary foundation we must have, no matter what it is we're struggling with or um, dealing with. And so I want to make sure that you know about our new devotional, Shine Bright, 60 Days to Becoming a Girl Defined by God, which is set to release April 20th. So if you're listening to this before that date, you are qualified to pre-order this new devotional, um, which means you're going to get a whole bunch of freebies with that. Check your email or head on over to our Girl Defined Instagram at Girl Defined, and you can find all the information there. Um, But the reason I want to tell you about this new devotional, Shine Bright, is because we created this for circumstances exactly like what you're going through. We know that you need to be in the Word. We know that you need to be pursuing your relationship with Christ. And this new 60-day devotional, Shine Bright, equips you with the tools needed to know where to go in God's Word, to help you think through it critically, and to know how to apply it in your life. And then we give you a dig deeper section on each day to help you take it deeper, to make it more personal. Because we know, we know that following Jesus can often feel like an uphill climb. And we know that there's so much pressure to conform to what's going on around us in our culture, but also just our sin nature within us, with this struggle to give in and this, you know, such a battle every single day. We know it's hard to follow God and to live out your faith each day. And that's why we are passionate about getting you connected to the source of truth, where there is freedom, hope, and a future in Christ. So if that resonates with you, I want to encourage you to go to girldefined.com slash shine, girldefined.com slash shine, or wherever books are sold. You can get the e-version, you can get the hard copy, and grab a copy of our new devotional, Shine Bright, 60 Days to Becoming a Girl Defined by God. Pre-order if you're able. That really enables us to get this message out to more girls. Um, If you're able to order multiple copies to save and give to friends, we ask you to do that. Um, But you can go onto Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, Christian Books, wherever you get your book from, or just go directly to our website, girldefined.com slash shine. Grab a copy today. I know that this will be crucial in your walk with God, your relationship with Him, and just growing and flourishing and learning how to shine bright for His glory, finding freedom for His glory. Now let's jump into this absolutely necessary and crucial conversation with Kristen. Masturbation. It is a word that I think a lot of you may cringe at when you hear me say it, or one that you even find hard to say yourself. So I I will try avoid saying the word over and over and over and over. But look, y'all, we have to talk about this. And I am so glad that you are joining me for this conversation. It is actually just going to be me and you having this personal conversation about masturbation. Bethany was a little too embarrassed to join us. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) She just isn't able to be here for this conversation. So it's going to be a conversation between me and 
and you. And I am so hopeful that by the end of this conversation, maybe what you're thinking about masturbation, what you're feeling toward it, maybe you're struggling, maybe you know someone who struggles, maybe you have never, ever talked about this with anyone in your life. And this right now is going to be the first conversation that you have between me and you right now on this topic. And so I am so glad you're here. We are going to open up God's word and we are going to see what he has to say. This is something I struggled with personally for many, many years. I felt alone. I felt isolated. I honestly felt like I was a super weird woman. Um, you know, especially when I was young, like when I was preteens to teens, I just, I thought I was the only girl in the world who struggled with this. And I didn't even know that it had the name masturbation. Like I didn't even know what it was called. I was still learning about what what my sexual design was. According to God's word, I had no idea, but I I did feel a sense of shame and I just felt too embarrassed to tell anyone about the struggle or even ask questions or get any sort of help. And so I'm going to share a little bit about my journey. I want you to know this is a safe place. We are coming together with our questions, with our perspectives, with our struggles, and we are going to go to God's word together to see what he has to say about this. Okay, but before we get there, two things. First, Did you know that we here at Girl Define just released a 60-day devotional called Shine Bright 60 Days to Becoming a Girl Defined by God? Y'all, the first ever devotional that we've released here. I am stoked. It is... First of all, it has the cutest cover. It's like yellow with flowers on it. And it's just like... Oh, it, the design is adorable. So if anything else, like if you want a really cute book to just stick on your coffee table or your nightstand, like this was the one. But more than that, the content is so good and rich and just easy to digest. Um, it's just a great devotional. I cannot wait for you to get your hands on it. Um, it's not too late to join us, though. We are going to do a 60-day summer read. We are going to do a summer study with sister the sisterhood from around the world, including you. I hope you'll join us uh, starting June 1st. And we're going to go for two months, 60 days straight. We're going to all read this at the same time, and we're going to communicate about it, chat about it, share what's been encouraging, share um, what's been challenging about it, um, cute pictures of us with the book and inspirational quotes all happening inside a private Facebook group. And this is open to everyone. It's free. You do have to um, register to join those. So head on over to girldefined.com slash shine to get more information on the 60 day summer study. And you can grab a copy of the devotional anywhere that books are sold. Okay. That's the first thing. Second thing, the 2021 Girl Defined Conference. It's happening. Woo! I just have to give a small cheer. I've got to bring some energy because I'm the only one here talking to you. And y'all, it's happening. Okay, you know, last year, 2020, COVID, we were not able to gather in person. It was 100% online. This year, we are gathering. We are down here in Texas in the South. It's going to be hot. Um, We are going to take any safety precaution measures that are required at the time by our state. Um, But our state is reopening and we are excited to gather and to just uncover God's word together as a sisterhood to encourage one another, to make new friends, um, to enjoy live worship, live teaching, fellowship. We are longing and hungry for fellowship. I know I feel that. And so if you're feeling that, I hope you will make the effort. Even if this is the first time you're venturing out in a big way since the pandemic, I hope you will come join us in San Antonio, Texas on July 30th and 31st for the 2021 Girl Defined Conference. And guess what? The theme is also on Shine Bright. So it's all about learning how to shine bright together. So kind of along the lines of the devotional as well. So come join us, get more information over at girldefined.com slash conference. All right, now masturbation. Over the years here at Girl Defined, I cannot tell you how many emails, DMs, 
messages on all sorts of social media accounts we have received from you guys asking questions about masturbation and specifically asking like, is it wrong? Is it a sin? Um, What is the Bible? Does the Bible have anything to say on this? Um, I'm struggling. I don't really know what to do. How can I break free? How can I get help? Um, And you know what was the most common thread amongst all of your DMs and messages? Almost all of you said, you are the first person I have told about this struggle, or you are the first person I've reached out to to get help with this topic. And you know, as I started seeing these over and over, I was thinking back to my own journey and struggle with masturbation. And I remember feeling what so many of you feel when you're texting us, what you or when you're DMing and messaging us, what you're feeling, maybe and thinking even right now as you're listening. And it's that it's that feeling of shame. That feeling of confusion, that feeling of guilt, and just wondering, um, you know, what what am I doing? Like, what is wrong with me? Why am I doing this? Is there's just this sense of like I don't really know what's going on, and I don't want to talk to anyone else about this. And I remember feeling that from a young age. I was, um, you know, obviously we're all created sexual beings, and so I just want to point that out first and foremost is that. We're all sexual beings. We're all created by God with sexual desires, longings, sexual parts, physically, like it's a part of our makeup and it is God's good and beautiful design. And so this conversation is going to be twofold in that we're going to talk about God's good and beautiful design because that's where it has to start. Sex was God's invention. Um, But then we're going to kind of switch gears and talk about, okay, yes, we're sexual beings. We have longings. We have desires. But how in the world do we embrace them rightly? And as Christians, we don't look to the world for our standard regarding sex sex and sexuality and our longings and desires. We don't look to the world because the world doesn't offer answers that are in line with God's word. So we go to God's word and we say, God's word, God, what do you say about these sexual desires? What do you say about these longings? So that's what we're going to get into today. But thinking back on my journey, I just remember feeling so isolated in so many ways and and wanting to learn more, wanting to ask more, but I didn't know who to reach out to. So when I see your emails come in, when I see your DMs, I can 100% relate to that feeling of you're the first person I've ever told. And this is like my my flare I'm sending up and I'm just hoping to get some sort of help. In fact, um, one of you emailed us and I'm gonna keep this anonymous. This was a while back, but you said, I've been struggling with masturbation for a very long time. It comes and goes in waves. I constantly try to stop and even pray to God for help. But no matter how hard I try, I eventually give back in. This has been the pattern in my life for the past few years. I feel so alone. I feel so dirty and ashamed. And girl, my heart goes out to you because, like I said, I I relate to this. And I think so many of us relate to this. And so as we're struggling, I think it's very common. And as I started understanding more of God's design, I was asking the question, is this a sin? Like, is masturbation a sin? And I think as Christian women, um, at least for me, I'm very type A, I'm very black and white. And I just want to know, like, is, is what I'm doing a sin or not? Like, just tell me. And if it is, I'll try to stop. If it's not, I'm just going to move on with my life, right? Like I'm just, I'm pretty black and white about things. And as I study God's word, you know what I noticed is that the Bible, at least in my translation, in the English translation, it never uses the word masturbation. And as I started doing some research online, and um, this was actually later on. Okay, so I'm skipping ahead in the story. Um, as I started doing research online, and this is more recently, not when I'm younger. I'll finish my story a little, a little bit about when I was younger and struggling and how and the journey that I went on. Um, but as I was researching this topic a few years back in preparation to write um, our book, Sex, Purity, and the Longings of a Girl's Heart, I co-authored with my sister, Bethany. As I was researching to write an, like an entire section on masturbation inside of this book, 
I kept noticing this theme that articles and articles and Christians would just try to answer this question, like, is it a sin or not? And I would see um, arguments on both sides, like, well, no, it's not a sin. The Bible never directly, you know, says masturbation. It never talks about it. Then I would see other arguments. Well, no, um, what is God's design for sex in general? Like, let's unpack it from there. And I was just kind of confused. Um, so as I study God's word for myself, trying to figure out, like, what is going on? And as I more, um, I guess, more specifically studied God's design for sex and intimacy. I feel like it really changed my perspective to not approach the question of masturbation or really any sexual act from the starting place of, is this a sin or not? But rather to back up and say, okay, there's this sexual act, masturbation, right? Um, Okay. Is it a sin or not? Well, I don't know. What is God's plan and purpose and design for sex from the beginning, like in general, because if we start just by saying as Christians, well, is it a sin or not? Then all we're going to try to do is just to try to find a passage that fits, you know, if we want the answer to be yes or no, we'll try to find the argument to match our case and find verses that seem to back up what we're feeling so we can do what we want, right? And I think so often that's the approach we take with certain sexual sins that aren't explicitly mentioned in scripture. And that's the approach I was taking. But as I as I took a step back and started digging into God's word and trying to learn more about, okay, God, what is your design for sex and intimacy um, altogether? Like, why did you make this? Why did you create us sexual beings? Was there something more that you were trying to teach us, communicate to us, something more um, intentional in our sexual design that will help inform my worldview as I approach this question about masturbation? And so as I did that, something crazy happened because instead of asking the question, is masturbation a sin? Is it not? Should I do it? Should I not? And just trying to, you know, find my argument one side or the other, I completely changed my question. And instead I asked, is masturbation in line with God's bigger plan and purpose for sex and intimacy? And I'm going to say that again, because that is a different way of asking. We're not asking, is it right or wrong? We should be asking, is masturbation in line with God's bigger plan and purpose for sex and intimacy? And really, is masturbation an authentic expression of sexual pleasure? Is it an authentic expression of sexual pleasure, whether you're single or married, right? And then another question, does masturbation help me pursue a heart of purity before the Lord? And those are just some questions that steer it away from, is it right or wrong? Is, you know, black and white, give me the answer. It takes it to a deeper heart level. And it really forces us to have to, as Christians, do a little more homework. We have to do a little more homework and try to figure out what the Bible is teaching about sex and intimacy. And, you know, this conversation, we're not going to be able to dig like super, super deep into God's specific design for sex and intimacy. Um, We have other episodes on this podcast. We have tons of articles over at girldefined.com slash blog. And then also our book, Sex, Purity, and the Longings of a Girl's Heart. That is the entire purpose of that book is to unpack God's design for sex and intimacy, our sexual design, all that goes into that. Um, So we're just going to kind of touch on it here. So God's design for sex. We know that God created sex from the very beginning when he created Adam and Eve in Genesis. He didn't just make them two beings that had no sexual ability from day one when God, well, not day one, but you know, when God made Adam (laughs) in the beginning, he was created as a man. He was created as a sexual man. He had a sexual, um, sexual longings, desires, but guess what? There was no woman. So it's like, we only see half the picture. It's very clear in Adam's design that God wasn't done yet. Um, But you know, God does 
things in his own ways, in his own timing, telling his own story. So he creates Adam. He gives him jobs, purpose, um, takes him to the garden. And, you know, Adam, okay, he has his role. He is this male and he's fully sexual, right? But something is missing. And even Adam's sexual design points to the fact that there is something missing, even at this point, right? But God knew what he was doing. He knew Eve was coming. And then what does God do in Genesis 1 and 2? We see God creates the woman, a female with her own sexual design, a sexual being, but a different design, right? And we see even in the sexual design of the male and female, there is a, um, in the male's design, a, a giving, a um, moving into and for the woman, a receiving, a responding. And that is so beautiful. That is just a snippet, even in our sexual design of God's greater plan and purpose for um, manhood and womanhood in our roles in family and the church and um, just in our design. It's so beautiful. The husband and wife, we see that right there without even words being spoken. We see it in the sexual design. So Okay, we see God's intention. He created Adam and Eve with uh, sexual beings. Um, He brings them together, puts them in a covenant of marriage. So for the first time, we see in scripture, Genesis 2.24 says, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Right there, there is sex. In the Bible, Genesis 2.24, they shall become one flesh. What is that talking about? It is talking about them consummating their marriage, that covenant that they're in, becoming one flesh, their bodies literally going into one another, joining each other. I mean, not to be too graphic, but like sexual intimacy, sex, it's happening right there, becoming one flesh. They are united in every way, spiritually, emotionally, physically. And it is a beautiful thing. And it's a celebration of the covenant that God created within marriage. They're celebrating that incredible union um, right there. And that is the, in a nutshell, that's sex. Like that is the purpose and plan for sex is that it would be a really a celebration within every covenant marriage that becoming one flesh, you are standing before the altar and you're saying, I commit my life to this person right? Till death do us part for better or for worse. I am making this commitment, this covenant before man and before God. And to celebrate that covenant, to join every part, not just our lives, um, not just um, the other er spiritually, but we are coming together physically. And that is the final piece of a marriage. It's that celebration piece. Um, And then for years to come, we are, God has gifted us the pleasure of sex within marriage. It's an absolute beautiful thing. It is a celebration of covenant. And so that is what sex was created for. Um, And so when we approach the topic of masturbation from the lens of sexual intimacy, and we start to see that God had a plan and purpose, the celebration for the covenant, and then y'all, we could take it even a step further, which were the whole spiritual metaphors that go along with this marriage being a metaphor, the man representing Christ, the bride representing church, the man pursues his bride, Christ pursues the church, the man is called to lay down his life for the bride, Christ laid down his life for the church, like these incredible metaphors, the wedding feast of the lamb, you know, in Revelation at the end of all things, marriage is that picture. It's like, oh, it's incredible. And sexual intimacy is also a metaphor of the incredibly deep love that God has for his children. Because Because the word for um, sex, like for being known and to know deeply is kind of the word, the Hebrew word for sex. It's yada. And yada literally means to be known or known 
deeply. And the same word that God uses for sexual intimacy in scripture, he also uses that same Hebrew word to talk about knowing us deeply, to know us intimately in a spiritual relational sense. And so sex is even more than just an enjoyable celebration of pleasure within the covenant of marriage. It's it's meant to even point us to a deeper need. Like, yes, sex is beautiful and wonderful, but we actually need something so more. We were created to have a deep knowing relationship with our Savior, Jesus Christ. He is the true answer to our longings. Yes, sex is wonderful, like I keep saying. I want you to hear that loud and clear because as Christians, I think sometimes we hear a negative message of sex, like, oh, don't think about it, don't talk about it. It's just unnecessary evil within marriage. That is not God's design at all. It is beautiful, so I keep emphasizing that, but it's meant to point us to a much deeper need, and that's our need for our Savior. We can live our whole lives without ever having sex, and we can be just fine, but living our whole lives without our Savior, Jesus Christ, the one that we were created for, the one we were created to know, to find our worth, purpose, and identity in, the one we were created to be saved by from our sins— Living without him, now that is a different life. We were made to walk in relationship with Christ, and Christ made that possible by dying on the cross to to bridge the gap that our sin caused. He took the penalty for our sins, died on the cross so we could walk in that intimate relationship with us, and that's what he wants for us. And sex and marriage is an earthly metaphor of that deeper reality, that deeper need that we have. So, When we step back, I know that was a lot, and we see sex from this incredible, grand, beautiful picture, we understand in scripture from that lens why a verse like Hebrews 13, 4 makes sense. It says, let marriage be held in honor among all and let the marriage bed be undefiled for for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. And you know, if we just pull that verse out of context, it's kind of like, oh, okay, yeah, it's talking about the marriage bed, honoring it, got it. Okay, moving on, right? But when we, when we read that verse after all that I just shared about marriage, about sex, about the covenant, about the metaphor, about our deeper need for Christ and how sex points to that deeper need, it's like, whoa, okay, I get why God is calling us to hold the marriage bed in honor, to not defile it, because there is a bigger story being told here, far beyond my sexual longings and desires. That is why God is calling us to hold this marriage bed in honor. And so as we approach our sexual desires from that perspective, that gospel perspective, then we can ask the question, is masturbation a God-honoring expression of sex? Is it a God-honoring expression of our sexual desires? And that's really what we're going to get after right here. So as I was wrestling with this back as a teenager, preteen teenager, and I was wondering what God's design was, and I started uncovering this incredible picture of sex and intimacy, of the covenant, um, of God's glorious reality, of his relationship with us, it was like, Oh, I started seeing it from a different lens. I started seeing that this act of masturbation, that it wasn't necessarily in line with God's plan and purpose for sex. It wasn't really a God-honoring expression of sex, and I'm going to share why here in just a second, but I didn't know how to stop. And that's where many of you may find yourself because it is, um, it's very habitual, right? Like we can get very addicted in the sense that it's a habit. Um, Our bodies actually yearn for it. We are sexual beings. And so when we fulfill those yearnings, um, even outside of marriage, our bodies come to expect that. And so it can be very hard to stop. And I remember feeling that um, and, and just even crying many nights alone in my room, just crying out to God and saying, God, I see your design for sexual intimacy in marriage to be the celebration. And, you know, I, I, 
don't understand everything, but I just, I know that this act of masturbation is not honoring to you. Help me to stop. And I just, I was struggling and I wasn't able to fully break free of that struggle until years later. And and I'm going to share in a minute what that journey was and how I eventually found that freedom. Okay. So to dig into the question, is masturbation a God honoring expression of sex? Well, is it like, what, what can we learn? Like, what does God's word teach us? Well, here's the deal masturbation or sorry, sex and marriage. It is not an isolated act, right? It is an act between, it is designed by God to be between an act between a husband and a wife loving each other, celebrating each other, celebrating their union, enjoying each other sexually, physically. There's so much beauty and pleasure that comes from a husband and wife enjoying that together, right? So sex was meant to be between two people, not designed to be a solo act. And so when we think of masturbation, what does it do? Masturbation does not promote community in the sense of two, not a full community. I'm talking about two people, husband and wife. It doesn't promote relationship. What it does is it promotes isolation and selfishness. And before you say, whoa, 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 no, no, no. Like I, that's not true for me. Hear me out because I felt the same way. Masturbation, it truly, it does. It is, I do not believe even with this alone, that it is a a God honoring expression of authentic sexual intimacy because it promotes isolation and selfishness. There is no, um, there's no community between a husband and wife, a relationship that's being celebrated. It is all about the self. And so I believe even this one point alone helps shed some light on masturbation. Like maybe it's actually a counterfeit version of God's good design for sexual intimacy because there's no intimacy. It's just us, me, me, myself, and I. That's all I'm celebrating, right? And we see over and over in scripture, like that's not the call, is the call is to deny self, um, right? To, to not engage more in an act that is promoting self and isolation. But in regards to sex, like sex, Sex was made to be relational, to be between a husband and wife, like that yada that I was talking about. That's God knowing us intimately. And sex, that same word yada is used for a husband and wife because they're knowing someone else intimately. And masturbation is just all about yourself. It's not, you're not even knowing yourself in that sense relationally. You're just acting sexually, acting out on a sexual impulse to receive sexual gratification. That's really all that's happening there. Okay, so sex was made for relationship and masturbation undermines that. Tim Challies, who's an author, Bible teacher, I love a lot of his resources over on his website, but here's what he has to say about masturbation. And I love the way he puts this. He says, a close examination of the Bible's teaching on sexuality uncovers no reason to believe that God ever intended sex to be a private pursuit. Indeed, the heart and soul of sexuality is the giving and receiving of sexual pleasure between two people, one husband and one wife. Sex is intended to be a means of mutual fulfillment, an expression of love in which a husband thinks foremost of his wife and the wife thinks foremost of her husband. Isn't that an incredible picture that he paints? And so clearly, I love the way he says that it is giving and receiving of sexual pleasure between two people, one husband and one wife. It was never intended by God to be a private pursuit. And so since masturbation is an isolated sexual act, I think we can all agree on that. Um, If you're doing, if masturbation is not an isolated act and you're not married, then that's a whole nother conversation um, of sexual acts that I, that will fall right along with this, but in an even deeper way of sexual immorality. But what we're talking about is just you by yourself 
engaging in masturbation. We can see that it is an isolated sexual act. It's void of the ability to serve and give to another person. Its primary objective is to serve self, right? I think we can all agree on that. It lacks the relational component that God intentionally created sex to have. And so there, first reason, as I studied, as I learned, as I sought God's word for his design for sex, I saw so clearly that, yes, masturbation, it does promote isolation and selfishness. It is not an authentic version of sexual intimacy as God intended. It's, in fact, a counterfeit version of God's good design for sex. And that's just one of the things that I discovered. So I'm, I'm learning this and I'm like, wow, my mind is kind of being blown because you will never hear this in society. I mean, society's messages about masturbation are basically along the lines that we are all sexual beings and our sex drives are like balloons that are basically filling and bursting. And unless we relieve ourselves, um, you know, express our sexuality in whatever way is going to give us release, then we're just going to burst and it's going to be like horrible. No, that's what the world says. That is not what God says. Jesus was a human, fully man right? 100% sexual being. And he lived on this earth for 33 years and he walked in perfect purity. He was able to control his sex drive. We are not, yes, and he's God, but he he had desires, longings. He was fully human, fully God. He had sexual temptations, 100%. He lived in this same world we live in. And yet he was able by God's strength to walk in perfect sexual purity. And he is calling us, um, yes, we are sinners. We are not going to walk perfectly like Christ, but by his strength and help, he gives us the ability to, to not allow our sex drive to rule us, um, to be the thing that we cannot control control by his grace and strength, we can control our sexual urges. Okay. That was just a quick aside. So masturbation promotes isolation and selfishness. Also, masturbation is often fueled by lust. This is something else that we have to really consider if we're trying to argue in favor of masturbation. Like, no, 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 it's just it's just between me and myself. Like, it's not hurting anyone. And I've heard that a lot. And I even thought that, well, it's just, I'm just doing it. Like, it's not hurting anyone. But already the first point I made that masturbation promotes isolation and selfishness. It's not a giving and receiving that sex was meant to be. That's, that's not what God designed it to be. Um, that alone helps, you know, <laughs> like take care of that, that thought. Um, but masturbation is often fueled by lust. And I can only speak from my own experience and the experiences that others share with me. But in my own experience, masturbation, reaching a point of orgasm, which is what masturbation is, it's basically like self-sex. I I could not do that without filling my mind with lustful thoughts and fantasies. Like I needed those thoughts to masturbate. I'm being very raw and very honest here. And I hope this isn't making some of you too uncomfortable. But if we're not going to talk about it, like who's going to talk about it? We are going to get biblical counsel in the sense that if Christians, not just Girl Defined, if Christians aren't talking about this, how are we going to like have a healthy conversation? So we've got to talk about it. Um, But for me, my masturbation was fueled by lust. It was not fueled by pure thoughts. I would have um, sexual thoughts and fantasies and things that we're not honoring to God. God is calling us to flee sexual immorality. He is calling us to honor him. First Corinthians 6, 18 says, flee sexual immorality. Every other sin, every other sin is every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. 
We see this call over and over in scripture, create in me a pure heart, O God, Psalm 5110. We see this call to sexual purity and it and to holiness, right? This God is not just calling us to say no to something, like no, say no to sexual sin, to compromise. He's calling us towards something so much more beautiful because he is calling us to become like himself. And who is God? He is awesome and perfect and holy and righteousness, righteous and beautiful in every single way. He is not like any other human on earth. He is completely set up heart. And when we behold him and we say, wow, God, you are awesome. And you are calling me and shaping me to become more like your son. And as I become more like Christ and I walk in fellowship with him, that's where my soul finds rest. That's where my heart finds satisfaction. That's where I overcome these temptations as I'm seeking you and walking in your strength. And so God's call to purity isn't a call away from all that's joyful and fun and pleasurable. He is calling us toward him so that we can embrace all of these things, including sex, the right way and a way that is going to be in line with his word and with his design, the most beautiful way. And in my opinion, the way that we will truly experience pleasure as God intended, not as the world has distorted and our sin and flesh has distorted. So masturbation is often, and I would say probably 99.9% fueled by lust and sexual sin in our minds. You know, and I have heard the occasional argument and I'm I'll be honest, I have trouble believing when people say that they don't sin at all, like they don't have one single sinful thought or lustful thought or sinful fantasy when they masturbate. And okay, I can imagine that could be potentially possible, but I just don't know, (laughs) especially for women, especially for women, because we are um, in so many ways naturally very relational. And so it often takes thoughts of intimacy, you know, illicit intimacy in our minds of sex with whoever and fantasies and imaginations to fuel even those sexual desires, even in masturbation. So I think 99.9% of the time it is fueled by lust. And as you're thinking about your own struggle, if you struggle with masturbation and you're being really, really honest right now, because I'm trying to be really honest with you. So I hope you feel that you have that freedom to be really honest with yourself right now and really ask yourself, is it fueled by lust? Is it fueled by by thoughts that are not in line with God's call to purity and holiness. And if that's the case, then I think right there, that's another sign, a clear sign that masturbation is not a God-honoring expression of sexual intimacy. It's a counterfeit version. It is tempting us time and time again to engage in something that is not helping us walk in purity as God calls us to in our minds. Um, And sex was created to be truly pursued with a heart of purity and genuine love within marriage. And since masturbation is primarily fueled by lust and self-gratification, really very, very self-focused, self-centered, I think that's another reason why it's a counterfeit version of sex. So, so far, we've talked about the fact that masturbation promotes isolation and selfishness. It's like a solo sex act. It's not within relationship. And then we talked about the fact that masturbation masturbation is almost always, it is often, I'll use that word, fueled by lust. So right there, two very, very compelling reasons for why masturbation is not a God-honoring version of sex, but in fact is very counterfeit to God's intentional design. Okay, and the last thing that that kind of builds on the first two things is that masturbation, it really fails to bring God glory, right? As we engage in the sexual act, um, it is completely outside of marriage. Sex within marriage is a beautiful and can be a beautiful act of worship, 
to God. It's a beautiful expression, like I said, of that covenant. And we are even worshiping God as we engage in sexual intimacy with our husband, of course, it being done in a loving and serving sort of way. It is a beautiful gift that we can enjoy with gratitude to our creator, who is the giver of all good gifts. But this sexual act outside of marriage, I mean, masturbation is a outside of marriage. It is a sexual activity outside of marriage. It really fails to glorify God because it lacks integrity, purity, and context, right? It lacks integrity, purity, and context. It's a sexual intimate act completely outside of the context it was created for. Orgasms were not created just to be a solo act. They were meant to be a wonderful, pleasurable experience, like I keep saying, within marriage. And so it's this isolated activity. It lacks integrity. It lacks purity. It lacks context. It's like a fish out of water saying like, no, no, no. I love to swim on the shore. I love it. It's so great. I can flap my fins in the sand just fine, but no wrong context, right? God created us to enjoy it within sex, within the context of marriage. And first Corinthians 6, 19, 19 through 20 says, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own for you were bought with the price. So glorify God in your body right here in scripture, a very compelling reason. The the word masturbation is not mentioned here at all, as you clearly heard, right? But this passage is calling us, it's saying, Christians, Christians, you are not your own. You've been bought with a price. Christ has died for you. You've given your life to him. You are not your own. So your body is now the temple of the Holy Spirit. So what you do matters. What you do in your heart, in your mind, with your body, it matters because your body is now a sacred temple. You have the Holy Spirit living within you. Um, you know, the temple in the Old Testament we see, and then we see this temple, um, and it is a beautiful temple Solomon built, and like it was holy. There was the Holy of Holies, and it's this incredible, holy, sacred place. And our bodies, you know, that temple is no more, but our bodies are now the replacement. We are the temple, the body of Christ, individual members, but one in Christ. Our bodies are the temple. That is a very high and holy, to my, in my opinion, a high and holy calling. And what we see in scripture, so it's not just my opinion, but we see it in God's word. And we were bought with a price. Christ died an extremely painful death, came to this earth like he sacrificed his life to buy us. Like he bought us with a very costly price, um, bridged the gap, gave us that way to know him, to walk with him, to be saved. And so because of all of that, God is calling us to glorify him and to honor the temple that he has given us. That's a very, very high and holy calling. One author over at Desiring God says, honoring God with our bodies must be the pursuit of every believer. It must be our pursuit. That must be our goal as believers. And so when we engage in any sexual activity outside of marriage, we don't embrace God's true design for sex and therefore we are unable to bring him glory, right? Our bodies become vessels for sin instead of vessels for righteousness. And so we just have to acknowledge that and say, yes, Lord, this is truth from your word. Despite how strong my feelings are, um, despite how long I've been wrestling with this, I am seeing truth from your word and it is helping me understand your design in ways that I never have before. I want to honor you. I want to walk rightly according according to your design. So please help me, Lord. And these few things that I just shared with you, there's so much more. So I hope they'll grab the book, Sex, Purity, and the Longings of a Girl's Heart. These things are what really helped open my eyes to viewing masturbation from a bigger lens, a broader lens, more of a bird's eye view, and to not just 
ask the question, is it right or wrong? But to really wrestle with the question, is it a God-honoring expression of sexual intimacy as God designed sex to be expressed within scriptures? And all in all, with these um, points that I shared and more, I would I would say firmly and strongly that according to scripture, I do not believe it is. I believe it is a counterfeit version of sex that is not authentic to God's design and therefore not glorifying to God. And in so many ways, sinful as we engage in lust and selfishness and just kind of doing our own thing. And so if you are that person listening right now and you're feeling like, okay, I get it. I see it. I want to learn more about this, but I'm struggling right now. And I've been struggling for a while and I don't know how to stop. I don't know how to get out of this. Well, sister, I want you to know first and foremost that you are not alone. You are not the only woman struggling. Um, You are not the only woman coming to the word, coming to the cross with this cry of your heart saying, God, help me, um, change me, sanctify me, give me freedom from this. I have walked this journey and countless, countless others sisters. I know lust can often just be portrayed as a man's issue. We all know it ain't a man issue. It's a woman's issue too. And we struggle and we we need help. We have lustful problems just like men, right? We're not exempt. And sometimes we can feel, I don't know, like awkward to speak up about our struggles because often they're just portrayed as a man's issue. I think even in many Christian circles, but thankfully the conversation is changing and more and more women are talking about these nitty gritty topics, which I am so grateful for. But if you're that woman going, I, I just don't even know what to do. I desire to honor God in this area of my life, but I feel stuck. Sister, I just want to share some encouragement with you right now, some things that really, really helped me. And these these things are from God's word, steps that he calls us to take when we're wrestling with sin, but they're not easy. But by God's grace, you can take these steps. And so I want you to, if you're able to take notes or even go back and listen to this again, I know that this could be life-changing for you in your struggle with masturbation, with sexual sin, as you seek the Lord and pursue his word and pursue um, some of these steps faithfully that we we find in God's word for breaking free from sin. So the first thing is that we need to pursue genuine repentance. The first step toward victory for any of us over lustful sin, masturbation, it is to recognize first and foremost that we're sinning against God and we're in need of his forgiveness, right? So it's first and foremost, any sin is against God. And 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Not just some unrighteousness, not just unrighteousness that's like maybe acceptable sins or sins that people can see, but all unrighteousness, even unrighteousness that only God knows about in the deepest depths of our heart or those darkest moments when no one else can see what we're doing but us and God. God says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us all of all of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So our God, praise be to him that he is full of grace and mercy. And if we seek him genuinely and truly, and we go before him and we we humbly come before him, he forgives. I mean, David in the Bible, like his sin with Bathsheba is probably like what many people think of as like the biggest sexual scandal, you know, in scripture. And, you know, we see in the Psalms, David's Psalm of repentance, like an incredible Psalm in Psalm 51. So if you desire repentance, but you don't really know what to say to God, you feel lost for words, I encourage you to go to Psalm 51. It is a powerful prayer of repentance. It's David's prayer of repentance after his sin with Bathsheba, right? Committing adultery, murdering her husband, his first son dies, then he marries Bathsheba. And it's like this big scandal. 
And for a whole year, he doesn't repent. He just like tries to brush over it and move on. He's confronted. And this prayer of repentance is the first like sign of brokenness that we see in scripture of David being broken and repentant over his sexual sin. And so, you know, if God can forgive someone like David, right, who committed all that he did and God forgives him, then how much more confident should we have that God can forgive us for the sins that we've committed? Our God is an incredibly gracious God. So use Psalm 51 as a starting place as your prayer of repentance to genuinely go before the Lord um, and bring these sins to Him, okay? So that's the first thing. Second thing I would really encourage you to do is to bring your secret sins to the light. Okay, so we're talking masturbation. It could be other secret sins. You might be struggling with a pornography addiction. Um, you might be struggling with uh, reading erotica and you just can't seem to put it down. Um, there's there's so many other different types of sexual sins that we can be struggling with, but Right now we're talking about masturbation and bringing that secret sin to the light. Okay, so going back to my story, teenager, I'm struggling. I'm recognizing that masturbation isn't a God-honoring expression of sex. I'm seeing the sin in my heart and I'm I'm repenting before the Lord. And I wasn't reading Psalm 51 at the time because I wasn't super familiar with it, um, but I wish I had. I wish I'd known about it. But I was repenting before the Lord, but I still found myself going back to that pattern of sinning. And I was feeling very discouraged and very frustrated by this. And so I had heard someone at a conference. I was at a Christian conference and they were talking about specifically about sexual sin. And they said, you know, the enemy wants to keep us in darkness because it's in darkness that the enemy often gains a foothold and that we struggle to break free. And so he wants to keep us in that place of secrecy, that place of isolation, that place of feeling like we're the only person on this island and there's no way to get off. There's no help. Sin thrives in darkness, essentially, is what they said. And they said, you need to bring your secret sin, your sin that's in the darkness. You need to bring it to the light. And they talked about Proverbs 28, 13, which says, whoever conceals his transgression will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. And I just remember hearing that psalm and thinking, that is part of the problem. I've been repenting before the Lord, but I've been concealing my transgression, this sin. I've been too ashamed, too embarrassed to tell anyone about it, and I've kept it in the darkness. And I think that's one of the reasons why I'm not able to fully break free from this. And I was wrestling with this kind of conviction in my heart. I remember for weeks wrestling, wrestling, and I was like, I I don't want to tell anyone. I mean, you know how I feel, right? If you're struggling with a sexual sin, the last thing you want to do is tell a single living soul that you're struggling with that. And I think that's also the enemy's tactics to just trap us in a pit of so much shame that we lose sight of the grace of God. We lose sight of the cross. We lose sight of God's mercy that he gives when we humbly repent before him. We lose sight of the fact that other Christians are the body of Christ meant to bear our burdens with us. And we believe the lie that we have to handle this on our own, do it on our own and that we can't tell anyone else because there's just too much shame. That is all a lie. And as I was really wrestling with whether I was going to believe what this Proverbs talks about, whoever conceals his transgression will not prosper. Well, I was seeing that really clearly in my heart. I was not prospering. But he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. I wanted that mercy. I wanted that mercy so bad. And you might be feeling that right now. You are longing for that mercy. And so I, I finally determined, I said, God, crying, like crying my eyes out, God, help me to go to my parents and share this. So I was a teen at home. I was living, or I was a yeah, teen living at home. Um, and my parents are godly, wonderful parents. And I knew that they would hear me out, that they would pray for me. They would walk alongside me in this struggle, holding me accountable, encouraging me, praying for me, all the things. And so I knew, I was like, took a deep breath. Like, I've got to go share this with them. And the Holy Spirit was really convicting me too. 
took me days, weeks. Finally, I said, God, today, help me to bring this into the light, to listen to what your Proverbs say about confessing sin and forsaking and obtaining mercy. And I went to my parents' room. I was so, I I actually just said, hey, can I talk to y'all? There's something I want to share. And I was really timid. I was very nervous, even though I knew they were going to be so loving. I just didn't want to speak the words out loud. And they said, oh, definitely come on in, you know, let's talk. Went into their room and we had a great conversation. And I just, before I could even get the words out, I just started sobbing and crying. Um, I was just, it was just so hard in that moment to even speak the words But God in his mercy gave me strength and I spoke the words. I confessed to my parents. I said, this is what I've been struggling with. Can you help me? Can you come alongside me? And they said, absolutely. And they were so gracious. They said, we are so grateful you told us this. Um, We wish you'd had even come sooner. We want to walk alongside you in this struggle. You're not alone. And they prayed with me. And I'm telling you, when I left their room, there was a burden I had been carrying that I didn't even know I was carrying. And for the first time, it was like that burden was lifted. And it wasn't that I instantly found freedom from my sexual sin of masturbation. I was, I still stumbled here and there. Um, but the burden of carrying that sin alone was gone. Galatians tells us, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And I saw that in such a tangible way. Bearing, sharing that burden with another believer, in my case, my parents, it enabled me to to not carry the full weight of it. And there was so much strength in that. And so I want to encourage you in that. You might be feeling just as terrified as I was of ever speaking the words out loud of whatever sexual struggle you're wrestling with, Um, even if it's masturbation like I had struggled with. I cannot encourage you enough to think of a godly woman I encourage you, if you're a woman, to go to a woman, not a man, go to a godly woman and and just say, hey, I am wrestling with something. This is someone, of course, that you know and trust. Can I meet with you sometime to share and just seek your advice and counsel and support on? And you don't have to go into super detail about the nitty gritties of the struggle, but just more generics. And I think like me, you will find incredible freedom as you also walk faithfully according to Proverbs 28, 13 and confess that sin and find that mercy and that strength. Okay, so that's the second thing. So first, pursue genuine repentance. We talked about Psalm 51. Next, bring your secret sins into the light. The third thing, and this goes hand in hand with talking to a godly woman, it's seek ongoing discipleship from a godly woman. Because confessing is only the first step. I mean, genuine repentance is the first step. Confessing to someone else, that's the second step. But if we just confess and move on and never talk about it again, guess what? We are most likely going to find ourselves right back in that same place of struggle because we weren't designed by God to walk in isolation. We were created by Him to walk in community, like I said, to bear one another's burdens, to live out the one another's we see in the gospels. That is God's call for us as Christians to be a body living in community. We need each other. Sister, you need other Christian believers to come alongside you and specifically a godly woman. You know, here at Girl Define, we are so passionate about mentorship and I have a mentor. Um, Our whole ministry is geared around encouraging and mentoring you and younger women. Um, but specifically a woman that can walk alongside you, not just to hold you, say, accountable for your struggle, but to also just really disciple you in deeper ways of understanding who God is, his character, his plan for you as a woman, his design for sexuality, um, your per- the purpose of your life, how you can live faithfully as a Christian, how you can pursue repentance and what, what wrestling with sin and finding freedom, what that looks like, you know, Ephesians 4, putting off the old, renewing our minds, putting on the new, like, how do I do? that. A godly woman can help you unpack that and help you use scripture um, and follow God's word to find freedom. And so don't do this on, don't do it alone. 
do not walk this alone. Titus 2 gives us that picture of older women mentoring and discipling younger women. And so even if you're scared to ask someone, do it scared. I promise you, you will not regret it. I guess I can't promise, promise you that, but I I haven't met a single woman who has sought the mentorship of a godly older woman and then regretted it. They're always like, why didn't I do this sooner? And that's exactly how I felt, if I'm being honest. Like, why didn't I pursue this godly woman sooner? So seek ongoing discipleship from a godly older woman. That's the third thing. And then lastly, I just want to encourage you to really consider your life um, and if you need to make any radical changes. And what I mean by radical changes is that our world is so sex-saturated, and not sex-saturated in a good way, but sex-saturated in... um, in a sexually immoral way, right? Just from everything on, not everything, okay, but like majority of opportunities out there in the world from entertainment to music, movies, magazines, books that we can read, things that our eyes can see, things our hearts can consume, our minds can consume. So much of it is the world's version of sex um, and just a lot of immorality and just embracing things on our own terms and doing what feels good and very provocative, meant to um, allure and entice us and arouse us sexually. And so sometimes I think we make the battle for sexual purity and holiness. I think we make it really hard on ourselves Because on one hand, we're saying, God, help me to fight these urges to honor you and to embrace my sexual desires rightly. But then on the other hand, we're watching all sorts of things that are constantly arousing our sexual desires, right? And we're watching things and engaging in things and viewing things that are making it so hard for us to kind of calm our sexual drive down. And I've heard from so many women who say like, man, I feel like I have a really high sex drive. And, you know, I am one of those women who feels that way. I wrote a whole post on it. Like, is it weird for a Christian woman to have a high sex drive? I I talk about that over on our blog at girldefined.com. And I think there are a lot of women who have really high sex drive, some even higher than men. But I think often we as women, because we are very relational, we will consume relational material that appeals to our sex drive and arouses our sex drive and gives us these feelings of of sex and love and intimacy and romance because we long for that. And, you know, that is a, a God-given desire to have desire for sex that's natural, but the way that we embrace it, we can either choose a biblical way or an unbiblical way. And more often, I think we seek to satisfy those desires in an unbiblical way. And then at the same time, we're like, God, help me. I, I'm trying to honor you. This is hard. Like, I'm struggling. Like, masturbation, it's like happening all the time. And so really, Take this seriously. Are there radical changes in your life that you need to make that are just simple changes? Like there were there was a time a few years back where I realized that so many of the like influencers and even some celebrities that I was following on social media that the content they were posting was often very provocative and it was taking my mind to very sensual places. And it wasn't helping me. And this is me as a married woman recognizing, like, yeah, this isn't healthy for me. I, I'm married and I can engage in beautiful sexual intimacy with my husband. I can have that that desire for fulfilled in a right way, but this is these things I'm seeing are actually causing me to think about things that are outside of even my covenant of marriage that are outside of God's good bounds for sex and intimacy. And so I just had to unfollow whole bunch and just say, this isn't healthy for me. This, I can see where my heart's going with this content and it's not good. And so, you know, you may have to just take push pause and take inventory of your heart and your life and what you're consuming and really take a good, honest look and say, do I need to make some radical changes? Are there some things that I need to cut out that are not helping me to pursue righteousness? First Timothy 2.22 says, flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness. Okay, flee. That's like not a word we often say like flee. We don't really use the word. We might say like run, get away, sprint, take off, you know? 
That's what we need to do. That is the emphasis. It's a strong word, flee. Don't linger. Don't stick around. Don't stay curious. Just go, okay, I'm curious. Boom. I'm, I'm redirecting my eyes. I'm clicking off that page. I'm, I'm unfollowing that person. I'm not going to watch that Netflix show that everyone's talking about, but I know it's not going to be good for my heart. We are fleeing. We're intentional. We're doing it with intention. We're engaging in this world um, proactively. We're not just being passive consumers. That is how we can help promote, like fill our minds with truth. And that's the other side is as we put those things off, fill your mind with truth, with good things. Follow people who are gonna really encourage you in the Lord on social media. Watch things that are gonna promote the right heart in you, right? That God is calling us to embrace. Um, So I just hope that those few things really encouraged you. There's a lot of other things I could say on this, things that have just been personally helpful for me in my fight. Um, Actually, I will just say a few of them here really quick because I think outside of those, there are some practical things that we can do. Like one of the things that really helped me um, memorizing the word. So having specific pieces of scripture, passages, pieces, (laughs) specific passages of scripture that remind us of God's truth, having those as true ammunition. So when our thoughts are starting to go down the South road, we pause and we go, okay, Lord, no, create in me a clean heart, renew a right spirit within me. Psalm 5110. It's right there. It's on the tip of our tongue. It's in our heart. So memorizing scripture, um, being very prayerful constantly throughout this saying, Lord, help me. Um, I need your strength. Grow me in your truth. Grow me in in overcoming the sin. Help me to love you more than I love this sin, to worship you more than I worship self, right? Because so often it's that sexual sin becomes an idol where we are enslaved to worshiping that idol more than worshiping the one true God. So God, give me a greater love for you, a greater worship of you. That, That posture, that heart, that pursuit helps us overcome sin, when we behold our awesome God, um, getting an accountability partner that can also be wrapped up in your the lady who mentors you. That's true for me. It's so helpful. Um, I think something else that's just practical, it's not even really spiritual, but exercising and eating healthy food. I think our bodies as women, you know, we're very hormonal. And I think sometimes we do ourselves a disservice when we um, just sit around all day and when we eat junk food constantly. I know that's true for me. I have to be so intentional to actually get out and move my body. And I think that can also help balance some of our hormones. Um, just eating healthier, exercising. I know um, some friends who, if they're they're single and if they feel those sexual temptations coming on, they'll just go for a run, you know, to burn off some energy. And that's a perfectly good thing to do. And then lastly, I'll just say that the more we focus on others, the less time we focus on ourselves, right? And so I cannot encourage you enough to get out and serve, 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 because the more you're focused on serving others, the more you will find joy in that, the more you will pour out and the less time you'll have to sit around and really just kind of think, woe is me. And like, just to give so much attention to every sexual urge and desire, get busy serving. All right, guys, this has been a fun conversation. Thank you for sticking with me to the very end. I love you guys so much. And I want to hear from you. Would you please send me an email at contact at girldefined.com and share how this encouraged you? Or if you have any questions, I know this is a very personal topic. I would love to hear from you personally. And then also please drop me a DM over on Instagram at girldefined. I would love to hear from you over there. Drop a comment if you like this. If you appreciate this sort of content, you have no idea how helpful five-star reviews are. They really help get our podcast more exposed to more women just like you who need to hear this type of truth-filled message about real things that we're struggling with as women. I love reading your comments. So drop me a comment. I'll check it out. I want to hear your thoughts on this. Five-star review really, really helps. And then 
I hope you'll come to the conference. Join us this summer at the Girl Define Conference, August, or sorry, July 30th and 31st. And then um, if you want to learn more about God's amazing design for sex and intimacy and battling sin, check out our book, Sex, Purity, and the Longings of a Girl's Heart, Discovering the Beauty and Freedom of God-Defined Sexuality. And you can grab that at girldefined.com slash longings. All right, guys, it was so fun hanging out with you. I can't wait to catch up again. And until then, I'll see you next time.